0: Hey friends, are you a product business owner that has built your business to multi six figure to a multi million dollar business? If that is you, we are hosting a live training on the three stages of business to grow and level up to a profitable million dollar business that works for you. We're going to talk about what it takes for you, the business owner, to remove yourself as the bottleneck of your business and grow a team that can not only help you do all the things, but a team that will actually start making decisions without you so that you can lean into the role you were meant to be. The visionary, the high-level strategist, the creative. And we want to help you level up your business in the next 12 months. So if you're looking for support as you navigate to this level in your business, we invite you to join us. You can register for this free training at theproductboss.com slash level We will also be sharing information and answering questions about our highest level program, the Product Boss Mastermind. Mina and I would love to meet you and connect to help you level up your business and you as a business owner during this call. I want to remind you that you have done an exceptional job getting to this level of business on your own, but what it will take to grow to the next level is going to be different than what you have done before. We know you can level up your business without you having to be the person who does all of the things and makes every decision on your own. That's why the Product Boss Mastermind is the place for high-level strategy and collaboration so you can connect with other product-based business owners who get it and who are going where you are going. If your business is a six to seven-figure-a-year business, we invite you to join us for one of our upcoming live trainings, and we'll be sharing information on our high-level, world-renowned product-based mastermind. We are now accepting applications to be considered for a very limited amount of spaces for 2022. Make sure to register for this totally free training and live Q&A at theproductboss.com slash level up. You can also click the link in the show notes. And my friends, if you are ready to commit to yourself this next year, and you know that this year is going to be your year to reach that next level in your business without sacrificing your freedom and creativity, surrounded by a collaborative group of product bosses who get it and grow together by sharing ideas, strategies, and insider secrets, then we invite you to apply to be considered To the Product Boss Mastermind at theproductbossmastermind.com. Okay, now let's jump into the show. Welcome to the
1: Product Boss Podcast, where we help product based businesses grow their sales and
0: improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business.
1: In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of
0: her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready?
1: Let's build together.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my magnificent co-host, Mina Kumlo Cetab. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. Okay, so today we're really excited. We have someone really special on the podcast. She is a maker that has scaled her business to having a brick and mortar, to selling globally, to selling out in minutes. So we're really excited to have Susan Gordon of Susan Gordon Pottery. She is the chief creative officer. And today we're going to talk about how she created her dream business and life as a maker. So welcome to the podcast, Susan. Well, thank you for having me, ladies. I'm excited. We're so excited. So Susan is in our mastermind. We've worked together for almost two years now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we first started, I remember when we first met you and I, we had, a, I remember specifically where I was having my first conversation with you. And I was like, I, I remember too. Yeah. yeah me too. <laughs> And it was like, you weren't sure if, if a mastermind is what your business needed. You already have a really successful business. And and part of our convincing to you is like, as you're going through all this, you don't have to go through it alone. And yep. cut to two years later and going through the pandemic together, none of us had to do this alone.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm so thankful.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so we're really thankful to have you. So tell our audience a little bit. If they don't know Susan Gordon Pottery, tell us what you do.
2: Okay. um, Well... I have a studio and storefront in Birmingham, Alabama, and I hand make bespoke, one-of-a-kind pottery, and we make it in, I guess, small batches still applicable to us. Um, We manufacture it here in-house and make it from start to finish. starts with a squishy wad of clay and ends with a beautiful glazed, high-fired piece of pottery with 22-karat gold luster edges. It's kind of our signature.
1: I love it. Yes. When you see a Susan Gordon Pottery wavy bowl, you know it is hers and it's beautiful. Um, one of the things I remember when we first met you, you were top 1% of Etsy. So it was really about, okay, well, you had built your business on a platform that was not your own, and but you were wildly successful at it. So, and then I think at that time, you were also moving studios and you're like, I, this is a bad time for me. So (laughs) what made you get into a mastermind or decide to take that next step for your business?
2: Okay. Well, I've already, I'd already started listening to your podcast and I think I've been listening for almost a year at this point. And I just knew that I think y'all had had a plug on your Master or on your podcast about the mastermind, like join the top mastermind level. And so I, I think maybe I filled out the form and then got in touch with you guys. But I had had some friends do masterminds locally, just with like people local in town. But you know their businesses were just so different than mine. Like y'all talk about this a lot, but like one it was a service business and one was a wedding calligraphy business. And I just felt like I needed to be in like a product based business, especially after listening to your podcast because I've listened to several business podcasts, but this yours is so so unique. Because a product based business is just totally different than other businesses, um, and you touched a lot on, on making. So, I would say I joined the mastermind mainly because Jacqueline um, twisted my arm, but also <laughs> no, not really. But I think that just hearing the truth um, and putting a mirror in front of my face, even on that just initial call, was eye opening for me. And I think, yeah, I was really hesitant at first because it was I felt already just so overwhelmed. I knew mastermind was a time commitment. Um, cause I was in the middle, I was like two months away from, no, one month away from our mo- big move, like moving our studio, entire studio, and then two months away from opening a storefront for the first time in my life. So it felt like I don't have margin for this, but when you told me that you felt like it would be good for other people to help me through all that, all these big changes, it got my, the wheels turning. And I was like, you know, she's right. So you did. It and, ha- and how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we had a rough time moving, but I think having the support of the mastermind was enormous for me because we I was in the mastermind while I transitioned off Etsy, opened a new website, opened a storefront, moved my studio, and I think and then 3 or 4 months later, COVID. So, I cannot say enough <sighs> so things much. about how much I needed that mastermind and how it was just a godsend to me. Like to have that and have the community and the support, I would have been in just deep water because there's so many things we talked about in the mastermind group and on Voxer like on a daily basis of like, okay, how are you dealing with like uh having to be like safer at home or like quarantine, or how are you still getting shipments out if because we had when we closed down and we had all this door stock that we had we didn't know what to do with, and like was and no like it came up in the group chat about, well, you need to do that ready to ship thing that you've been wanting to do. And so just do it and take all the store stock and put it online. And we did. And that was, that's like totally changed our business. Fast forward nine months. That's all we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been, I mean, just the, the feedback from the group and having the hot seats also, just like getting on the hot seat and asking a question. And a lot of times it ends up, you talk about something totally different that you didn't even coming but it's such a mirror in front of your face that you're like oh yeah okay I gotta get my stuff together but it's a good get your stuff together feeling it's like you're I always feel so energized after the the meetings over like a lot of times after meetings I feel depleted but but after our hot seat especially when I'm on the hot seat or when it's a really good hot seat they're always really good but you know what I mean when you're on the hot seat and you're being you know have that mirror put up to your face it just feels like oh yeah okay I can do this and it's encouraging, but it's also like, you also hear the truth. So um, it's not all like you're doing it wrong. It's, it's, it's always really, really encouraging and helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's ever been, especially with you for for sure. It's never, you're doing it wrong, but it's more of kind of simplifying the next step or kind of, yeah. Because we get so overwhelmed running our own businesses, right? It's just all the day-to-day and all the things and it just kind of piles on top of ourselves. And so sometimes it just takes a smaller group of people that really know your, your business intimately to just kind of shine a light and make it feel a little clearer, simplify it for you. Like those decisions really can come easier than if you're trying to do it by
2: yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, clarity is like mm-hmm. a huge thing. I feel like just hearing other people, like, and what they've done too, like to solve problems, like just creative problem solving together is just very helpful.
1: Yeah, and let's step back a little bit. Let's let's take this back a bit, right? Because I think one of the reasons why we really wanted you on here is because you really started off in a whole different world. You became a maker, even though your degree is fine arts, if I recall. And then mm-hmm. now you're a maker, and you have this huge business. But along the way, we talk, talked about this at Boston's and Breakfast. I'm sure there was thoughts in your head that we get from so many people in our audience that are like, "Can you grow a handmade business? Can you be a maker and be successful? Will you be completely?" Um, I think somebody said, "I would be. I feel like I would be so tied to the business that I would have no time for my children or my family, and it would be like <laughs> it feels like." Like punishment or something, you know? So, can yeah. you kind of get into that, your story of how you got to this point?
2: Yeah, I would say there was two big factors in my life that I felt gave me, empowered me to feel like I could run a business. Was first, my dad was an entrepreneur. I haven't mentioned this before, but my dad is an entrepreneur and retired. He started a company when I was 17 and now has like over a thousand employees. He's retired and president of the board. And so I got to watch that in my like, formative years, just see how that's done. And like, I remember the first year he was in business, I think he made like $80,000, just pure profit. And I was like, so what do you do with profit? Like, you do, what, what do you do? Like, what is that? <laughs> I, mean, I just remember asking that question, being so like, amazed by it. And just I think that maybe was the first, like, drop in the bucket of like, okay, this is so cool to me. And then the second thing was my experience being an arts and education director at a nonprofit which um, was very tiny. I was the only full-time employee. I had one boss, but she worked remotely. She had another full-time job and two kids and she was busy. She's an amazing human. I don't know how she does all the things that she does. Um, she holds the state record for the longest bike ride across the state of Alabama randomly. Um, she's just like one of those like people that like, does more. <laughs> I know. Right. Just she's one of the people that does more than anybody I know. So she really taught me a lot. Um, and I would tell her this to her face, but it was hard for to work for me to work for her at first. But I learned so much for her, um, and then also just being in charge of the business like by myself, like the day to day operations, hiring and firing, running the programs, making sure the quality of the programs were high, um, buying toilet paper, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all the thing. things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, making sure that the 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 place got cleaned. I mean, just any detail of like the operations I was in charge of. Um, and I, you know, I loved it and I grew a ton. I was there for six or six or seven years. And, um, when I got pregnant with my first, I had kind of already, my pottery business had kind of already picked up and I landed a few wholesale accounts and got really busy. And then when I found out, okay, I quit my job. And the very next day I found out I was pregnant with Mason, my oldest. Um, and so <laughs> like, oh my gosh, um, But it worked out perfectly. And we kind of thought that, you know, I really did want the business to be a big thing, but I kind of, we kind of, our expectations were like a little low at first. I was like, this will be a great like side hustle while I have kids, you know, but then it just went, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hired my first employee uh, of October in 2013. And that was the first of many. Now we have 16, soon to be 17 employees.
0: So... I have a quick question to step back. So you were you were making and selling on Etsy while you had your full-time job. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a artistic side hustle.
2: Yes, I would say, it, yeah, it was artistic side hustle while I was still working at the, as the director at that nonprofit. Um, and I sold at like art craft fairs, farmer's markets, I sold on Etsy. Um, but things were steady, but I wouldn't say they were like taking off Did you have the wavy bowls? Yes, but they looked different. They were more organic and had different, like I used different clay body. It was like a brown stoneware. Um, So I wanted to switch to being more like finer pieces, like more fine china, kind of referencing like more classic pieces and get away from the traditional stoneware kind of look. So I started doing white stoneware um, and I coupled that with my brown stoneware. And like once I started seeing that take off, I moved to doing gold and gold became really big again, like yellow gold kind of made another in design, like silver was the thing for so many years. And then gold started to come back like, you know, eight or nine years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so now it's like everybody wants gold in their house, but um, mm-hmm. they sure so I do. think i rode that wave too.
0: Yeah. So, so how many years do you think that you were crossing over sort of being the maker, selling at markets, but also full-time job before you decided to leave your full-time job and go full-time product boss?
2: about a year and a half, I'd say, of Mm -hmm. like serious, like really trying to make it happen about a year and a half. Okay. Okay.
1: Then you had your your first child, your daughter, and then you hired somebody, but who did you first hire? You said you had your first employee. Was it a
2: maker or what was your first hire? Mm -hmm. My first hire was a maker. She did pottery herself and I hired her to help me just make more of the product. Um, And then my second hire was in our second step of ceramics, after it's fired once, you paint it with something called glaze. So we call that glazing or glazer. So my second hire was a glazer.
0: Okay. So it was was people to help you with production, basically duplicating you to make more product to keep up with Mm -hmm. the sales. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I love this. Okay. So you hired somebody, were there thoughts
1: in your head that were like, I could never teach this to somebody else? Or was it more like, I really need that time back? What, how did that go? Or was it easy? They can't
0: do it the way I do it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like, was there apprehension in hiring because you were the maker and the artist?
2: Yes, for sure. I think there's always fear with that. And I hear that a lot from my clay artist friends who are doing it all by themselves that I connect with on social media. They, we talk on the phone or chat and they are always like, okay, how do you trust people to make your stuff the way you make it? And I got the best piece of advice when I first started out peddling at Pepper Place Farmer's Market here in Birmingham was find out what your your strengths are and the things that really only you can do. And then the other thing is just let those things be delegated out to other people. And also, I think my experience at the my former job as director of, of arts and education, I was also teaching pottery at that pl- as part of my job there. So I was already a teacher. So that was already in me to be able to teach and explain. I've had lots of practice, you know, seven years of practice teaching. That was part of the, what made it easy for me to feel like, okay, I can get there. I know I, it's, it, it will be tough, but I can get there. Um, and trusting somebody to make more easier things at first was kind of how I started. So like the things I felt like were very approachable. And I knew that like somebody with no experience could learn in a In a day or a week, you know, Um, and I think, you know, with ceramics is a very, especially ceramics is a very approachable medium that really people with no experience can just come to and do right away, at least the handling part of it. It's, It's very, very approachable. Okay,
1: so you were a very small team at that point. As far as you were the solopreneur, you had people that you hired for production to help you and then you start selling. and then how did it go from there? You're on Etsy still at that time. You're still doing farmers markets and then let's continue on with your journey.
2: Okay, so I started getting picking up with wholesale accounts. picked okay. up my first one here in the town and I started getting so busy with just their orders. that's when I really that's when I quit my job. Um, Then I started getting picked up by several other wholesale accounts. Now this is right when Instagram was really taking off and I had didn't even have a business account yet. I just had my personal account. And so I was posting stuff on there and I was riding that wave of Instagram really, really getting going. Um, I think fast forward like a year. or So that's when I started my business account. Um, And then I really started getting more wholesalers. And so I moved into another studio, and we sharing it with the girl that had originally started working for me. She stopped working for me, but we ended up sharing a studio together. And I hired some other makers to replace her and Glazers. And I had like probably three or four employees at this point, a couple of interns that like were just doing a summer thing. And then somebody who was more part-time, kind of more permanent. And I started, I think I had 15 wholesale accounts at this point across the Southeast who all had just found me through Instagram I didn't have any kind of like website that had like a wholesale program, purchasing program. They all just wrote me checks. It was very like handshake, casual, mail your check, you know, whenever kind of very (laughs) uh, unorganized. Um, And then I just asked some ladies that were in the studio with my friend, hey, I'm looking for some holiday help. Would any of your like kids want to help me? I'm looking for like a teenager at this point just to kind of pack boxes or whatever. And this lady just said, I want to help. She was in her, I think late fifties, she was retired and we just became like very good friends. And I just, it was one of those people that just came into your life and it was like purposeful and she helped me really build the wholesale program. So I, I basically hired her just, she was doing it for fun, but like I did pay her, but she just really wanted to just help me. Cause she just loved my product and really loved business and we got along so well and so she just helped me just get organized really simply not like anything like big or complicated, but just, you know, help me get a, like a kind of a document together of like, I can send a potential wholesale accounts and she would be the, the liaison or the communicator between um, the product and the wholesaler. And so she just took care of all those accounts. And then, so she was with me for four or five years and she built up our wholesale program she and I built it together, but she really did a great job of taking care of it for four or five years. And we had a hundred and almost 50 wholesale accounts as of like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: So now we're at 150 wholesale. You also had Etsy, but you also Mm -hmm. had farmer's markets and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to remember when did you open? So, okay. Before we go into wholesale, you actually did a new website. So I want to show mm-hmm. the transition here because this mm-hmm. sounds all glitz and glam. When there was, I recall, lots of hard decisions in this. Yeah. And... Uh- <laughs> It You'll was, know. <laughs> yeah. So Susan originally had two websites, for example, one was wholesale, one was not. She also had to decide whether or not to let go of her wholesale because, you know, we're saying she's creating her dream business and her dream life. You're going to come up to these really big decisions that are like, do I go this mm-hmm. way or this way? And it could be a different version of success, right? Um, also, you started off in all custom and now you're ready to ship right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a transition that's happening here. So then, okay, now you have the wholesale, you are really blowing up. You're realizing you should probably get off of Etsy more so, mm-hmm. create your own website. Okay, she also let, needs
0: her own space.
1: Yeah. Her own space. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. And then you have a team of makers at that point and a, a little bit of fulfillment people.
2: Yeah. Let me back up just a little bit and say, mm-hmm. like we were killing it on Etsy. And I'm like, love. I love Etsy so much. I still buy from Etsy, and they were, you know, really great. They they supported me a lot. They bought a lot of advertising, advertising my items. They emailed about my items very regularly. And we really, I mean, they were seeing that we were successful, and they kept promoting us. Um, and so, towards the end of being on Etsy, we were in the top one percent of sellers on Etsy um, worldwide. So that was huge for us too. So we saw our wholesale business, you know, was probably like 60% of our 60, 70% of our business for a long time. And Etsy was like 30, 40. And then that started to switch. We started to see that the retail side of it was catching up with wholesale big, big time. Um, so we thought, okay, well, we need our own website. We need to get off Etsy. We don't, we also were emailing as well. So like a lot kind of, I hired somebody to help me with email and marketing. And so we, started emailing our customers and trying to take ownership of our customers and like build our email lists and take social media and like, you know, putting not all our eggs in one basket. So all this is kind of happening at the same time. Email list is building. Our retail is catching up. We're top 1% of Etsy. We're about, we're looking for a new space to open a storefront. and the And we did a case study on opening a storefront in our town. Our top three or four biggest wholesale accounts were in town, in Birmingham, where I am. So like, why am I not selling that? That was my mm-hmm. like big, like, I need to be selling that direct to customer. I'm equipped for that. I can do it. I just need a space. Um, and we needed a bigger space anyway. So it just made sense. Um, and I just I had spent almost a year looking for a space. So I finally came across one and we got the lease. And six months later, we moved in. And in the meantime, we, yes, we make the leap off of Etsy. And that was extremely scary for me because, like I said, they were promoting us all the time. And so I was scared to go on my website. I knew it was good for branding. I knew it was good for like our our story and like for us to own our product and be on our own website. But to move away from such a giant that did such a great job of really helping us grow – it was, yeah, it was like just unknown. And so, you know, whatever that inspiration statement you see on Pinterest and Instagram a lot, if it's super scary, you should definitely do it. So I'm definitely a testament to that truth. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of uh Lynn, who is my wonderful wholesale account manager, you know, she and I would like talk about it a lot. And yeah, we were scared. I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um Tessa, who's my marketing director, um, she was really pushing me to do it. And I think that. It was just really, it was really, I needed that push and y'all had helped me too. Y'all had really pushed me as well. So yeah, all that kind of happened all at once, like clap your hands. It happened like within a few months, like we opened a store, we got off Etsy, we're done with wholesale. We're still doing custom orders at this point, um, but we're selling out and um, yeah, we opened a storefront. All that kind of happened within like maybe like a 90 day period. That's the end of
0: 2019, it. I think, right? Like Q3, yeah. Q4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Question for you, product boss How much time, effort, and money do you spend promoting your business each year? Do you feel like it's paying off? Are you getting tons of visibility, or do you feel like you're struggling to get more eyes on your products? This is exactly why we created the Small Business Shopping Directory. The Small Business Shopping Directory is an all-in-one place for customers to shop, discover, and support small product businesses every day. It's a place for you to be visible to new customers and get discovered. The Small Business Shopping Directory is the number one small product-based business directory that gets your business in front of thousands of customers who want to support and buy from small businesses just like yours. It's a perfect way to get your products in front of eager buyers this season without having to spend thousands on ads. Our goal is to get you more visibility and to get more eyes on your business. And here's the best part, we're doing this together. The directory is a way for small businesses like yours to join forces and create a big impact because customers can finally find you online and offline. They can support you with their purchasing power. It will take all of us to create this movement of supporting small and we can do it together. So are you in? We invite you to join the small business shopping directory This is your personal invitation to get listed today. You can get up and running in just minutes. So don't wait. You can join now and get your listing by heading to shop1in5.com and click on the link to get listed.
1: Yeah. Um, I think also during that time, which we're kind of like grazing over it here, is that you started off as a maker, a solopreneur, you got your team, but you really became a brand. Now, I think that's, people overlook that because you're your namesake, Susan Gordon Pottery, but really Susan Gordon has become its own now, right? Your business is, is more than you now. It's your brand, even though it is your namesake. So in that time of working for somebody else, getting off of Etsy, Etsy promoting you, you really found your voice and then you Got that onto your website, which I recall that during the time you use Instagram to build your email list to get people over there. And then it was a slow transition. Mm Mm-hmm but it was fast at the same time.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm like, when I go, it's hard for me to like, I'm like, hey, what happened when? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Cause it's so much happened in 2019. I mean, so much happened in 2019. So it's hard for me to like, Oh my gosh. Okay. What am I raking over here? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, in the middle of all that, like just being so transparent. I mean, yes, I hired, I've hired a lot of people and had to fire a lot of people and I just want to make it clear that like, I did not hire the perfect team right away. <laughs> um, I was like looking through our old like payroll software. and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's so many dismissed employees. And it's, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like I'm like, you know, Miranda from the devil wears Prada, but I do think I am very decisive about people. Um, and as hard as it is and awful, no matter how much it needs to happen, like y'all walked me through one of my worst fires ever that was the hardest. Um, you know, I had one person that I thought for sure would be with me for 20 years and it didn't work out. And, you know, it's hard, a little heartbreaking when you lose people that like didn't meet your expectations. And um, I just want to be transparent about that. Um, Cause you really are hopeful when you hire somebody that this is just going to be like a lifelong relationship or at least like a long-term relationship. You know? Yeah, I know yeah. that there's like saying about you want to like, have people working for you and then get them mm-hmm. move on from you. They grow to be bigger than you, but yeah, I don't really like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what? I love that you brought that up because hiring is really hard. And this episode is really about creating your dream life. And if yeah. you change, if anybody changes your mind on a third date with a guy, please do not stay with that man. Because, or that person, because you, you know, it's like, just because you're hired them doesn't mean that you, that was a permanent decision. Just because you went on a third date does not mean that was a permanent decision, yeah. for example, right? You're still right. creating your, your dream life here and it's it evolves. Um, and I think it really has to do with the people that you allow to be in your space with you, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm sure she's living her best life elsewhere, you know, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know, <It's> fine.
2: yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's fine. I'm happy for them. And like I think for me, like it's hard. I get attached. But um, you know, it's good you definitely want to be um slow to hire, you know, most of the time. But sometimes you need to like hire somebody, come on. And yeah. then, you know, fast to fire. Um, and I think that's something I've really embraced, um, as time has gone on. And I definitely have had some people that I hired that were just not in it. They weren't committed. And it's more about for me, like finding the people that were really committed to this job and like really loved what we did and loved their job and really believed in the brand. Um, and it's, it's hard to know at first, like from an interview, everybody's nice, you know, (laughs) it's hard to know at first if it's going to work out, but, um, but you you know, the more experience you get, the more um you understand and learn who you like and who you don't like. And I think people probably are better equipped than me. I feel like I'm not very this is not my strength um to know if I'm gonna if it's gonna work out like right away. I feel like, yeah, they're great, you know. And and, and even it was even worse before I was like, Oh, they're a warm body, let's hire them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean I feel like <laughs> hire. Yeah. I admitted that yesterday that like, I really shouldn't be the person on our team anymore that hires or like makes those decisions. And I, and I know that being a business owner for so many years and, and same thing, I'm like, Ooh, they feel good. I'm like, uh, I move fast, but then the people who are working with them need to make sure that they're equipped. But I actually want to kind of step back a little. So part of the reason, I mean, we all own our own businesses. And I remember the, when I used to work for somebody else, I will not name her, but it was not a good situation working for someone else. The people were not Mm -hmm. great. And I remember when I was like, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to work with people I love, right? Which kind of equals that, like creating your dream life and business, because we want to work with people that we want to work with. We get to choose that as the business owners. But stepping back, because now you have a team of 16 to 17 people. Did you, from a mindset perspective, as a maker... You know, showing up at farmers market, selling on Etsy and like where was your mind? Like, did you imagine like I want a team of almost 20 in a few years? Or like what did it take for you to sort of think bigger and dream bigger?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I took a course right when I was okay, it was the I was about to have Mason. So this was January two thousand and fourteen. I took a course that just basically is called Think Big, and it was just basically opened the gates of my mind to, uh, g- it gave me permission to write down like, what does it going to look like? Or what's it going to look like in five years? Ideally to you, don't think about all the obstacles, just put this aside and just, you can just snap your fingers and make it happen in five years. What's it look like? And so I just wrote down what that looked like. And I, I was like, oh, it would be so cool We have like a, like a team of makers and a team of glazers and a team of, you know, fulfillment and have a storefront. Like, all these things and you know heirloom has always been a word that I've I feel like I've wanted to be associated with my brand like and it's the aesthetic or the the value I want my brand to live up to and like wanted to create a product that was worthy of that um because I'm very sentimental and I love even though I don't really have anything super valuable from inherited from my family I still love it and I think because it was theirs it was part of their story and um Like I have knitting and quilts and stuff from great grandparents from France that I just love. And like, they're like kind of ragged and tearing apart. I still think they're just like, they're immensely valuable to me because they made them and they're made with care and with love and with good craftsmanship at the time. They just weren't taken care of. So that's kind of like what I want to build and create. Um, I'm a huge Josiah Wedgwood fan. I've talked about this a lot, but Birmingham has one of the largest collection of Wedgwood pottery stateside. He was, he's called the father of modern marketing. I love that a potter is been credited with that. Um, He is like one of the first people to ever pre-sell anything. So he would like travel around Europe and pre-sell his pottery. Um, And he was also an early abolitionist, which was really um, forward thinking for the time And sold these like beautiful brooches that had picture of slave breaking free. So like really like distinct imagery and like all these rich white people with slaves bought them. (laughs) So he's just a cool dude. And so like I'm very inspired by like that legacy. And so that's kind of something I want in my own work. I want to create a legacy of heirloom um, pieces that will be handed down for generations that maybe if I'm lucky in a museum one day, maybe. I'm being really ambitious with that one,
0: <laughs> but so that's what you dreamt. So back in 2014, you kind of got yeah. dreamy, and that's sort of what you wrote down for five years.
2: That's what I wrote down. Yeah. To be and like then cut to
0: 2018 white. when you were going through all this stuff.
2: <laughs> well, well, you didn't story. put a pandemic in that. Well, that was that was yeah, six yeah, years later. Six years and five. Yeah, it definitely but had some but, bumps along the way.
0: Yeah. But, but I, but what I think, why I think this is important is, is, and especially since we work with so many, you know, product based business owners, it's that idea of not, of, we say it like putting a cap on it or like their own glass ceiling, right? Anything is possible, but it takes you to dream that and kind of take that cap off to allow yourself to dream big. Whether or not you get there in five years, 10 years, you never get there. You haven't set a limit to the potential and you get to choose, right? Like you, Susan, get to choose like you, uh, wholesale, for example, we kind of talked about it quickly, but you're not selling wholesale anymore. You hit capacity, it wasn't there you weren't like i'm still going to do this you've even in your success have made choices to take certain things away some of your products that were your best sellers but weren't profitable mm-hmm. we've removed from your your lineup mm-hmm. right so there's been taking away and adding back in and seeing growth but it's flexible and anything's really possible as a business owner as long as you believe that for yourself
2: exactly yeah and i think just you learn as you go and i think you're not going to know everything at once when you start and you're going to make mistakes it's and it's to be you have to just not be afraid of that a little bit. And just to learn to kind of get over it a little bit. I mean, and just that toughness, you have to kind of learn it. And it's like gut wrenching at times. And, you know, there's some sleepless nights there and there's some tears, but at the end of the day, it was my desire and my passion. And so I made it happen. But the thing is, I don't think everybody who is, who is wants to be in business for themselves or wants to grow their business or be a maker and have you know, and be bigger necessarily has to hire this huge team. It's not the only way to go. You know, it can be, it has to look like the way you want it to look like. So if having a big team is your dream, then that's, then write that down. But if it's not, then it's not, you know. Um, there's lots of very popular, very successful artists that don't have a big team. I mean, Frances Palmer is another potter that's in New England living right now, and she sells her bespoke bases for $2,000 a piece and she makes them. By hand, and I don't think she has very much help. she shouldn't have a big team of people um, so it's possible to be very and Martha Stewart buys her stuff, so you know it's possible to be very successful without having a huge team, even as a maker for something that is arduous and lengthy in the process as ceramics,
1: right. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know is what it comes down to. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you make decisions and you realize, you know what, that wasn't for me. I don't want a big team or it was for me and I love having a big team. And Mm -hmm. I really, you know learn that I should be hiring for the culture of the business, right? And the mm-hmm. brand versus this. It's it is a process and it's something that when you're growing so quickly, you learn very quickly, but you get up yeah. very quickly too, right? So that's like yeah, trial by fire, you get up really quickly, you you run quickly at it and you learn quickly at it. It's it's not, you know, I wanted to say that because um you're seeing the success of Susan but it did not come without failure. It came because of failure, right? She mm-hmm. went forward very quickly in the decisions that she had to make, and she created her dream life. And it was because she allowed that for herself to be able to fail, to be able to dream that in the first place, to not cap herself when it came to certain things, and to to be okay with hiring people and firing them, to be honest, too, because not everybody is meant for everybody, right? Sometimes it's a purpose and a season for it. I truly believe that, too. You yeah, know? So yes. what would you say to little baby maker Susan if you were to kind of prod her along as far as some advice about yeah. anything, about the, whole, about the whole thing? I would just say
2: have more confidence in your product and your brand and yourself and just own your worthiness as a creator and charge the prices you, you should charge. <laughs> and you know if, you're, if your product is in demand and selling out, maybe you need to think about raising prices. I would say, um, I would also just tell myself to please be more careful on who you hire. <laughs> 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 um, and like do a better job of vetting. Um, I think that it's it's so hard though, because some people like they can, you know, put that nice face on for like six weeks and then, you know, uh-huh. then it's, like all the ugly comes out. But um, I would say that, but d- still don't be afraid because, The thing is, is, you know, those people, the people that come into your life for even if they are a season, they really are truly in your life for a reason. Um, And I have everybody who's ever worked for me. I've definitely learned something from them. So it has not been in vain. Um, Yeah, I would say that definitely be careful, though.
0: (laughs) Well, and and then I mean, everyone can see here that like there was obviously some stuff that happened in the past with hiring that, you know, it's like some people might be like, forget it. I'm not doing this. I'm just Mm going to go back to doing it all myself. But you kept, you were persistent, right? You kept moving through. Um, Mm -hmm. But shifting over to this being your dream life, right? Because if anyone follows you on Instagram, (laughs) we all kind of want this life, right? Like you're in your beautiful studio doing the making, and then you're at home baking pies with your children or like charcuterie boards. And, you know, it just, (laughs) it is beautiful, right? Um, But Are you still making, are you spending time with your children? Like, do your children see, you know, because I think again, when, when people are thinking about growth of their business and they're thinking about managing a team, I feel like Mm -hmm. it feels like they're going to get absorbed by that. And I know always, and all three of us even are trying to balance family and a booming business and then COVID times, but what does your, cause you're living your dream life now, I feel like at least much closer to it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, very grateful for where I'm at. I feel like I'm in a really good spot. It's hard not to like when you're in whatever season you're in to like see like the things that you want to work on or the negative. Um, But I like want to celebrate the successes for sure. I would say that my day to day, I mean, it's very eight to five. I mean, I try to, to turn it off when I get home. It's I'm not saying I, I'm definitely not successful at it most of the time. But I'm learning how even this week to remember how to like delegate again. Like I continue to delegate. Um, I'm the voice of my brand. So I do a lot of the copy, but there's no reason for me to be answering DMs at eight o'clock at night after a post goes live, you know, or, or responding back to comments. So like, that's something I'm working on. Delegating is trying to get somebody to help a customer service person to just help me so that I'm not on my phone when I'm putting my child down, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that pl- planally Notification goes off at eight o'clock, and I'm like, okay, I need to not be like, because you know, it's like part of the algorithm. You need to get on there and comment and and Uh respond to DMs and be present. And so, you know, that's something like I'm trying to work on that. So I still haven't got it all figured out, but I would say like it's definitely still, I take my weekends. I don't, I don't work on the weekends, you know, unless I just want to. Um, I work from home when I want to. I am not, I'm at the point now where I don't have to be here every day. I just like to come to work, mm-hmm. um, but like I said, my schedule is pretty eight to five for the most part, so I think if somebody's wanting to like start their own business and build that dream business, this not does not mean that it's going to be like twenty four seven It doesn't. Um, I think work is life and life is work though, like I come to work and then I work on finding summer camps for my kids. <laughs> mm-hmm you know, and figuring out what she's going to do with her summer for a few hours. And then I'll go home and I'll be on my phone at eight o'clock doing Instagram. But, you know, so it's like, it's a balance, I would say. And there's never like this, like, there's no way to like completely turn off, I think, like for too long of a period of time. But I feel like now for the first time, I can go on vacation for a week with my family and not, touch the business. Like that is so nice, but it took time and delegation to get there, but it's doable for sure. Um, because
1: you're not doing the making, right? Because you're yeah. definitely, because, because Susan Gordon Pottery releases new stuff all the time, but Susan gets to do what she wants to do. She gets to vision it. She gets to draw it out. She gets to be inspired. She gets to be the creative, right? That's what you do. And then you teach it to how they can make it right. You're a lot of the times you're playing around with different techniques and then you perfect it, play around with it, and then you launch it. Right. Is that what, how that happens? Yeah.
2: Yeah. My role now is as chief creative officer, it's just creating the vision for it. I have a sketchbook. I'm constantly thinking about new products, offerings. And so sometimes I'll prototype it, um, or I will, um, even like just, I'll just create a sketchbook and then I'll meet with my makers and say, Hey, make it like this. And then we'll, it'll come out of the firing and we'll adjust and then, you know, come out of the firing again. We'll adjust again. So there's a process to it for sure. Sometimes I still make, I would say um, there's like a very select group of products that I still create myself um, are are framed pieces with the painted hydrangeas. I still make those. Um, So yeah, there's some products that I'm still making some of that are like really small batch, like, you know, 25 or 10 to 25 a week or so. And that's why so want...
0: premium products too, right? Like those, are, mm-hmm. like I have an Ataglio from you and I'm like, she made that, you know, because, yes. and that's the brand, right? That's people buying into Susan Gordon Pottery, but also mm-hmm. then pieces that we know that you're still touching and they're mm-hmm. going to wait for those and, you know, buy them instantly.
2: Yeah. So it's, but the people it's amazing. I have been, people who would make my product, I mean... Catherine is my head maker. She's been with me for four years and just celebrated her work anniversary. Um, My other maker's been with me for two years and it takes like six good months, I think, to learn the process of making is the hardest one. So it does take time to learn how to do it, but it's doable. Um, When I say that they learn the product, it takes six months to learn all the products. So like we have a lot of products and it takes time to learn how to make each product exactly right. But I'm fortunate that I have people on my team that have very high standards aesthetically themselves. And so I can trust them to make it better than I would maybe even <laughs> not better, but you know, <laughs> they can just do it so Close. well. Like they're just so good. Yes. I mean, I am so impressed with their, um, we just finished redesigning our bowls. We're about to launch that. And the, they, I kind of let them have a little more freedom on that. I said, I kind of want it like this. So I went a little taller, deeper like this. And then I didn't give them exact dimensions and they nailed it. So that's kind of cool to like trust people with that and then see it happen and be like, oh, wow, it's even better than I expected. You know, that's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: It's amazing. So cool. Um, in our mastermind too, like we passively say to her, like someone <laughs> the other day said to you like, and if you have an extra hydrangea bowl," <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oh my
0: gosh. But it's like, yes. we, we know that they sell out, and we're like, and if you just so happen to put yeah. one of these aside, for one us, of these away for us. Yes, and it doesn't happen, so, friends.
2: Like, we all have to get on this wait list. I know I have to be so sensitive about that because there's a lot of hurt feelings about those. <laughs> um, yeah, we we sell out of those pretty fast. If you don't know what those are, they're these they, they're hydrangeas painted inside of a bowl. They're um, something I came up with over a year ago, a year and a half ago. And this did one to be two full days to glaze the first one because I was figuring it out as I went. And oh my gosh, just see the evolution. I still have that first bowl. Um, But I posted it to Instagram when it came out of the firing, just like, hey, what do y'all think? And my engagement, I mean, it was insane. Like the number of DMs I got, I think it was like over a hundred DMs. Like I want that. And that's unusual for me in a day to get that many (laughs) DMs. Um, but I was just like, oh my gosh, people really love this. But I was like, I can't put this in production. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to put this into production to make it like feasible because that is not feasible for us to, to put that into production. And it take two whole days. Like, no, we have to charge a million dollars. So, um, I mean, not literally, but you know, anyway, um, so fast forward a whole year and three months later, I just looked at my, one of my lead glazers and I just said, let's do it let's try it. Just do your version of it. Like see what we think. And then I edited it and tweaked it. We worked on it for a month, tweaking it and editing it. And then finally it was ready to put in production. So, um, and then it's even evolved since that time, but I think it's gotten better. I think it's gotten better. At least in my opinion has gotten better. Um, and now I have one full-time person that is all he does is paint our bowls. Amazing.
0: Over and over. And, That's and- all he does. And she cannot keep them in stock. And there is a demand and a wait list. That's saying,
1: did Susan paint this hydrangea? If not, <laughs> I'll return it,
0: right? So people get no. so concerned about
1: that their customer is going to say, but did you paint it? When the customer does not care, the customer knows right. it's handmade. It's within the Susan Gordon Pottery brand, her aesthetic. She came up with a vision. It's a Susan Gordon Pottery piece. And I think that don't, you know, for all of you that are listening and are makers, you do not have to be the hands that do all the things. Mm-hmm. and. And you'll get to a point where it really does become about the technique. The voice is what I called it, but it's also the culture of your business as well as the product aesthetic. It's all you, but there's other people that are doing the things because you you are truly the visionary of your business, right? The creative visionary. And you get to be like, here's what I'm thinking, but can you make it like this? And then they do it and you perfect it and it becomes a beautiful part of the process.
2: Yes. And it's really cool for me too. To employ people who like an, the artists that work here are most of them are graduates of a fine arts program and went on to work in a coffee shop or a restaurant. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not clearly where they're gifted. And so, and they want to do their art on the side. And a lot of them, they still do their art on the side. So it's it's satisfying to me to be able to employ people who are using their gifts to build my brand and like it's really cool and I love that also it's like almost like a like I was an artist and when I told my engineer parents I was gonna go be an artist they were like what wait (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing and then even when I started my business they were like huh why are you leaving that great job you have as art director it's still artistic why are you leaving that job yeah um so they you know not that they doubted me they just were kind of like wait have you thought about this (laughs) um so to To have created this and like now I get to support people that were like me and like provide a job that is well paying and it is um, a living wage, you know, and that they're able to use their gifts is huge for me too and very satisfying. So
0: beautiful. Mm I love it. I mean, it's, it's all the things we're saying. I mean, and, and a lot of it is mindset, right? A lot of people get so stuck on so many things of like, you know, it needs to be handmade. It needs to be handmade by me. And and your proof through this whole journey from a side hustle maker to the business really growing and you having to adjust through all the stages of exactly this kind of success that, that you dreamt, you didn't know how you were going to get there, but you dreamt of this life and this business And you did get there, right? And I'm sure it surpassed those dreams even like where you are Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And I can only imagine where you're going. So um, what's one tip? I think, well, maybe we kind of asked this, but any other tips that you want to leave any product bosses out there that you're like, you know, friends, take this from me?
2: (laughs) Yeah, i my number one tip is to write down your goals. That is something I've done every single year. And have them somewhere posted in your space where you can see them every day. Um, Cause it's a reminder and it keeps your mind on track and gives you clarity about like, okay, what am I doing this for? Whether it's a personal goal or a financial goal or a business goal, whatever, just write it down. Um, and I think that's something we do in our mastermind every year. We talk about it with each other, about what our personal business, et cetera, goals are. And it's always been very, very um, helpful. I would say also being a mastermind, <laughs> You <laughs> right? get a mastermind, you know, I mean, truly that's just been so helpful. Even if it's a casual thing that like start out with casual with like other, you know, people that are in your same type of business um, that don't mind sharing their wins and, and um, questions with you. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, I mean, I've already talked about delegating, but time blocking is another one too, as like the busier you get, like you may be to the point where you need to hire somebody, but you're worried about it um you know i would say definitely hire them if you're busy and you feel like you're, you're thinking about it just do it um but then time blocking too is huge for me just like getting a calendar and like making sure that you're whatever the the big rocks are putting them in first and then the little rocks and then the the sand you know just that that time blocking helps you get those big rocks in there first and make sure that your priority things get done first. Um, I'm not saying I'm always perfect at this, but <laughs> it's a great advice. And I really try to apply it.
0: Yeah. And I think all you can do is try, right? And yeah, that's it. So thank you for being on the podcast. This was amazing. And you're so open with our mm-hmm. listeners. Um, tell everyone how they can buy from you, follow you and share you.
2: Well, thank you all so much for having me. I will, I will say this is like a full circle moment for me to be on this as somebody who started listening it and now I'm on it like, oh my gosh, I'm having a moment. <laughs> um, okay, so you can buy my products on my website, com. I'm on Instagram at Susan Gordon Pottery and Facebook at Susan Gordon Pottery. Get on our email list because that's the best way to get the um, items that get restocked because we do sell out really fast. So,
1: Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. We've loved having you on here.
2: Oh, thanks, ladies. Thank you. It's a
1: pleasure. One last thing before we go, we created this podcast as a reminder that you are not alone. Growing a product biz is hard and
0: we want to help you through it. So thank you for listening because we appreciate it. We do. And we want to give a special shout out to all of you that have left us a review. Thank you. We read every single one of them, including this one from Sweet by Candy. This is finally a podcast for product-based businesses with a five-star review. And she says, if you have a product-based business, you do yourself, do yourself a huge favor and subscribe to this podcast immediately. Every episode is filled with tips and issues that relate directly to running a successful product-based business. They are so generous with their knowledge and have built an amazing community of product-based business owners. If you only do one thing for your business today, hit the subscribe button. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is, she's a girl after her own heart with this action item at the very end of this review. Call to action. (laughs) Thank you, Sweet By Candy, for saying that and um, for saying that this is the one thing. We aim to be the knowledge that you need and to help you along your business journey. And as you all know, that is our mission to help more product-based businesses. So leaving these reviews are really helpful in our mission to reach more people. This episode is brought to you by the shop one in five pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the shop one in five pledge and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most, because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge. If you head to shop one in 5com the link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.